Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Let's Get Real. I'm Nina Simons, your host, and today I'm actually sharing an episode with you that's from a conversation that I had with um, Andy Simons, my spousal unit and the audio engineer for my show, but he is also producing and hosting his own show called Real Leaders in Tech. And so we decided to do a joint episode and talk about culture and what cultivates a good culture inside organizations. And so that's what this episode is about. It's basically him interviewing me about some of the things I've seen in my work as a um, executive coach and leadership and team facilitator. I have to admit, it was fun to be in the interviewee chair for a change and share some of my thoughts and experience working with leaders and teams. And it was also great to just be in conversation with Andy about his experience with cultures that thrive and those that don't. As always, we appreciate you listening. Hi, Nina. Welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be here. I, I've been waiting for you to ask me to come on. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> you're going to be uh, pretty much every other guest. It's just going to be oh, you and me. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were uh, a little bit inspired by yes. the recent guest I had, Craig McClucky. Yes. Uh, and his discussion about culture. And since you're a much bigger expert mm-hmm. going into organizations, and talking to them about how to work together, how to collaborate, how to, you know, you're you're coaching executives. It just made sense to get you on here and talk some more about what uh, is important about creating culture in companies. Yes. Yes. Well, I appreciate um, your confidence in me. And um, yeah, I I work a lot at the level of the team and the one-on-one coaching. So um, I can think big thoughts about companies because I can tell usually from the first engagement, you know, culture is kind of this invisible thread that just how we do things and people who are in the company, especially if you've been there for a while in the organization, you aren't as aware of culture. But right. when you come in from the outside, it's apparent from how people communicate to um, where they decide to congregate, whether now we've got this whole new thing with, uh, work models. Are they a remote work environment? Right, are they right. a hybrid work environment or do they prioritize in, in person work? So all of those things have an impact on culture. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, I've always believed that, uh, most companies talk about culture, but don't really know how to actively cultivate it. Right. And there are some great examples of ones that do, but most don't. Uh, and it was interesting with Craig that his company is only six months old and he's putting a ton of effort into it, which I feel like is an outlier. Yeah. And that's, uh, what got, got me thinking about, we should talk more about this. Yeah. And I thought he was incredibly insightful. Um, you know, founders need to be aware because you're building something from scratch. And so it can feel like it's all driven by you, but, um, there are some ways that, uh, you can, uh, create culture with others um, and not have it all be on the leader's shoulders. In fact, I think that's a better way to do it, but I might be getting ahead of myself. Um, I do think that um, being thoughtful about culture is super important. And I think we've established at this point uh, that culture matters in general. People understand that and you can you can see it all the time. You know, there's a saying, culture eats strategy for lunch. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually believe that's true. All the 
the doing in the world doesn't matter if you haven't what in, in coaching and facilitation what we call created the container for good work to happen and so yeah. culture is like the big container for everybody to get work done in yeah good 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 so what uh we had brainstormed over the last 24 hours yes some key pillars yes that we think are important around culture yes why don't you kick that off I will. I will. It's fun to have you as a thought partner in this because they're things that I've thought about before. But we um, together came up with this idea that there are at least three uh, elements that matter when it comes to creating a, a culture. And they all happen to start with a C. Um, and the first C is consistency. Um, and we're seeing um, a lot of examples of inconsistency right now in terms of culture um, and expressed values. Like one of the ways that you can make sure that you are, um, I don't really like the term driving, but that you're cultivating a culture is making sure that your values are being lived across your organization and also with customers. And so consistency between what you espouse and what actually happens is super important. And we've seen examples of failure in this and also success, um, especially in the social impact space or around social responsibility, because I think companies are being asked more and more to, to have a say or to at least have an opinion. Um, and they also are facing tough decisions, whether it's what to include in their healthcare policies or uh, like Indeed, just a past something, you know, um, added a policy where if you are um, a trans employee, you can actually get $10,000 in travel money to go and get care, a gender affirming care, because we're in such different places across the United States with what states are willing to provide in each state. And so that was a way for Indeed to live their values consistently. Um, another example is like Target uh, more inconsistently, you know, They've carried Pride merchandise for probably 10 years, so it shouldn't have been a big deal, but uh, there was more pressure from people who believe more conservatively about um, about LGBTQ uh, stuff uh, that they were they were upset, so they were boycotting Target. And so Target got reactive and pulled things rather than leaning in to what, what are our values around this? What's important? You know, I think they have a purpose around being a joyful place to shop. And I don't think it was feeling very joyful for either the employees or the customers coming in. And so, so that's an example where they probably were inconsistent between what they were trying to create internally and what they were trying to create externally. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think there's a couple levels of inconsistency. The first simplest one is a company says, here's our culture and here are our values. Yes. And the leaders that basically said that or created mm -hmm. it are not acting consistent with what they said. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think the classic example of a set of cultural values that sort of ignore the fact that the company is a for-profit company or is in a certain business and their values sort of are at the opposite of that or inconsistent with that. Yes. And so the employees have trouble figuring out how to match the culture that the executives put out there with what they're actually doing and, what, and how they behave. Yes. Um, and then the next level, which you talked about is, okay, now what are the cultural values of the company and are they consistently following those outside the company yeah. with their products and with their services. Right. And yeah, we're seeing examples all the time. And I've experienced examples in companies I've worked for where there's this massive inconsistency and you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what's going on here? If we have a cultural value around 
collaboration. Why does everyone yell at each other in meetings and right. try and, you know, uh, you know, sort of hurt or compete with the, the adjacent team that they're working with? Um, that seems very inconsistent. And, and uh, I think that's an important thing that your companies think through their, their values and make sure that they are actually going to live them. Yes. And I thought Craig did a great job in your last episode, um, really highlighting that and um, talking about it almost from the place of their, your values or your virtues in a way. And I think what people don't always understand that we as coaches know is that people express their values in a lot of different ways. Two companies can have a value around respect and it can look totally different on the ground. For some, respect is valuing all kinds of different opinions. And for others, respect is um, being on time for meetings, right? And yeah. so how a company decides to define those is partially driven by the leaders and partially driven by how the culture decides to honor those values. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Second one. Second one. The second one is having a connection uh, to purpose. And... Um, you know, in this case, I think it's not only purpose in terms of like what's meaningful about working here, but is our our, our is our culture also connected to what we what we want to do in the world? So, a great example of this is um, is Microsoft, which has actually had to evolve its purpose over time as it's gotten bigger and as it's got as it's matured. You know, uh, originally Bill Gates' uh, idea was get a computer on every desk, and that was super motivating for people because it was new and no one had a computer, right. and so we could all be super uh, motivated and excited about that mission. Well, you know. Microsoft had a dip because they it kind of lost its sense of purpose. And I was doing work there and people didn't feel as connected to what the company did because it got so big. And it was like, oh, well, we, we make software. We do this thing with Office. that's been It's a mature product. Well, that, that's cool. But I'm over here working on cloud stuff that doesn't have anything to do with that really. So what what's my purpose at, at Microsoft? And I think Satya Nadella was a great CEO because he came in and not only him alone, but the executive team started having conversations about, so how do we deepen um, our sense of purpose? How do we help our employees feel more connected to the culture of Microsoft? And I think one of the ways they did that was by expanding to being about helping people achieve more um, and empowering people and organizations to achieve more. And so that's a much more aspirational yeah. purpose, much harder to measure, but purpose and vision aren't really supposed to be measurable. That's where goals come in. But it was something that everyone could aspire to. And so that was why I think I think it's one of the big reasons, in addition to do, doing some good product development, as you know, um, that Microsoft is doing as well in the big five or big six tech companies as it is. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that uh, companies need to, you know, be able to connect the dots, so to speak, on that. And that's a hard thing, you know, to connect the dots to what are we doing for our customers? Yes. And what is the purpose of the company and how does that reflect in the culture? And how does the culture then help the company achieve its goals? Um, yeah, he's done an, an amazing job there yes. in in pivoting that. And it, and it actually has reflected in the stock price yes. and the return to shareholders. It took a long time. Uh, took a lot of work, took years, um, but uh, a big turnaround for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Number three. <laughs> You're laughing. You want me to you want me to talk more? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think um, number three um, is actually um, co-creating, uh, co-creating the culture. And this is the thing I hear the least about when I'm talking to 
um, leaders because of basically we have centuries of focus and leadership on kind of a top-down approach. Right. And so, um, I mean, you're reading this amazing book right now that's all about how much we've been influenced by, you know, a Central European or a European definition of, uh, and a white male definition of what it means to be a leader. And the reality is, is that a lot of culture gets created by the grassroots, by people on the ground. And so I think leaders, uh, it doesn't mean that we don't have a, a hierarchy inside organizations, but I think leaders really miss the mark when they think all of it has to come top down and from from them. Because you know, if you're not living it in your recruiting department, and if you don't have people working um, on the ground who are excited about working there, then um, all the talking in the world isn't going to make that much difference, right? And so you can see this in how much people advocate for the companies they work for, right? And so I think that, uh, you know, grassroots means that you understand what your employees care about and how they're expressing the values in the company. I think it's why companies like Disney have had a a slightly easier time navigating some of the issues that the, they've been dealing with in Florida because they have more support internally for who they are in the world as a company. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, the interesting thing is, is that cultures are these living, breathing things. And so as you go to push a cultural change, yes, um, you have to listen to people and does it resonate and are they amplifying it? Yeah. And are, is there that feedback loop? Right. Um, and I think that that's a real that's a real important aspect of that. And also just the fact that it may something may emerge that you didn't as a leader ever really conceive of and it could be better. Yes. Uh, and I think that's a that's a real important thing. It reminds me a little bit of there's a uh, Amazon cultural. I don't know if it's a culture or value or way yes. of working, but there's an Amazon thing that that is a disagreeing commit. Yeah. Um, uh, aspect ah. of of we want to hear your voice even if it's awkward even if it's hard yeah um and uh then if we make a decision we want you fully on board and committed yeah uh and that was a real interesting thing of saying you know this is how we want to behave and want to be blizzard had one that was similar that was every voice matters but it missed the commitment part mm. and then that cultural you know that part of that culture was actually kind of toxic because um, people wouldn't commit to anything. They'd be like, no, I have this opinion and I'm always going to have this opinion and you didn't listen to me. And so I don't need to be on board. And, uh, that was a place where, oh, that was, that was really good intention in the beginning. Yes. But as the company got bigger and bigger, it actually, and this is all my opinion. Yeah. It was actually not that helpful and it needed to be updated and modified. Yes. Based on what was actually happening in meetings and in decision-making. Yes. Uh, and that's part of that feedback loop that didn't happen of like, oh, we're missing a part of this. This isn't quite working. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, yeah. That's a great example because I think that that's an example of how leadership does have an opportunity to shape how culture is being expressed, right? right. And a, a, an opportunity to adapt it and change it. I'm sure that when Bill Gates founded Microsoft, he didn't intentionally mean well, maybe he did for the smartest person in the room to be and the loudest person in the room to get their way. But that's how Microsoft ended up expressing it, you know, right. as a company. And so it took a long time for the culture to shift out of that smartest person in the room is always right kind of mentality and learn how to listen to people around the table, so to speak. And so so I think that's a really great example. Like you do need to you need to listen. You need to I think even with something like um, what is your 
policy going to be about hybrid, remote, or in-person work, right? And how, you know, a great thing a leader can ask is how can our policy be an expression of our values? Like, how can it help us meet our purpose? And if you can't answer those questions, then you may not have um, the right policy yet, right? Yeah, well, I, you know, I feel that remote hybrid battle that's going on is a cultural battle. Yes. It's, it's employees saying, I think I don't like working here if this is the stance we're going to take on this policy. Yeah. And the leadership not really having a strong reason as to what their policy should be or what it was. And there, but there was a lot of feedback back and forth between every company's leadership and the employees about how to land on a plan, you know, or with most of them. Yes. And uh, I do think that that's an interesting sort of feedback loop, you know, yeah. that was going on. And I think some companies didn't do a good job at it. Yeah. Some companies did a good job. Uh, and um, it is an example of that was kind of a cultural thing that happened that kind of needed to be co-created. Yes. Uh, between the leaders and the and the employees. Yes. And it can feel like you're kind of letting the genie out of the bottle a little bit. And so I think having, um, there's a really great um, ground conditions for change from a woman named Meg Wheatley, who's an expert in my field. And she talks about how one of the ground conditions for effective change and culture change is one of the biggest you can, you can take on as an organization is people need to know how decisions will be made. You know, it's not enough to get their input. Right. People also need to know, okay, so what are you going to do with our input once we give it to you? And that's a step that a lot of executives miss. And then people get pissed off yeah. because they thought, oh, wow, I thought that I was, you know, I thought that this was actually going to help us decide. Well, actually, we're going to take input and then we're going to let you know consensus wise what we think is going to work. Right. So you right. have to be really explicit about that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Uh, it does remind me that that one of the things that plays through all three of those, you know, important aspects of that is you have to work on culture all the time. Yes. It's not a one and done thing. You don't, you know write something down and post it or you don't, you know, etch it in bronze <laughs> somewhere and put a plaque on the wall and go, okay, now that's our culture and let's move on. Right. You have to, uh, you have to work on it. And I think, you know, Craig said, a, you know, a great thing in the, in the discussion we had, which is you're in a startup and the minute you hire a sales VP, your culture just changed mm. whether you wanted to or not. Yeah. A big part of your culture now is sales and that's a different dimension. So now you need to think about that. And what does that mean? And I think every company has those events that happen. You know, we just acquired somebody. Yeah. That's a totally different culture. Now what happens? Right. And how do we, you know, how do we manifest the right thing out of that? And uh, yeah. And if you have a value called diversity, you don't want to go in like the Borg and just say, you all need to now, you know, integrate our values, right? right. You want to say, so what part of this still is going to live at LinkedIn or yeah. at whatever the subsidiary might be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, this was kind of fun. I think so. <laughs> I think so. We're doing pretty well. I think it's really fun that we get to have these projects together. And I'm super excited about uh, the success you're getting with your podcast already. Oh, it's just starting. Yes. As I say, I'm just a caboose on your train or whatever the <laughs> metaphor is. Just following in your wake of greatness. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Good to be here. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>